I want you to turn, if you will, again to the book of Philemon. It's just that little book. We started it last week. We talked about some of those truths, some contemporary lessons for us. I mean, lessons that hold value for us even this day. I mean, the scripture is so relevant for us. I hope that as you study through it, that you see how you can apply the scripture. Um, I, I don't know why God's just been speaking to me about that the last few weeks in particular. But the more I read, the more I study, the more I realize that I can take this scripture, this word, and I can apply it to my life. Every day. Now, I know that. I've heard preachers talk about it, and, I, and I've tried to do that through my life. But I'm talking about the last few weeks in particular. God has really impressed upon me the need to know his word and to apply it in our lives. And when you look at this little book of Philemon, I mean, just a little letter that Paul writes, hoping that this individual, Philemon, will receive back Onesimus, not as a slave, but as a brother in Christ, that when I read through it and I see how he unpacks this for us, I see the significance for our daily lives. Well, I read the whole little letter last week uh, for time's sake. I, I want to pick up in verse 15 and again make some comments that really reflect what Paul says throughout this letter. He, he says in verse 15, for perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose. Speaking of Onesimus, the slave who's run away, come to Rome, remember this background, He's come to Rome. He has found faith in Christ because of Paul, obviously, and his witness. And now Paul is sending him back to Philemon there in Colossae so that he'll be received. And he said, perhaps he, that Sonismus, departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If then you can count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay, not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be granted to you. So this little letter that Paul writes, and he speaks to this guy named Philemon about receiving back Onesimus. We talked last week about how uh, we can see the import or the significance of witnessing itself, that we have these divine appointments that God places in our lives. And in some way, God ordained this, I believe, that Onesimus ended up in Rome right before Paul, and Paul was able to share the gospel. And Onesimus was able to come to faith. I think that does remind us of the value of witnessing wherever you are, whoever God has put right before you. I think uh, as, you, as you look at this book, you see a variety of different lessons. Maybe tonight as we focus for a moment we can see how God uses transformed lives to confront social ills, social problems. How God uses transformed lives in order to make a difference in people's lives, to address social issues that are there. Obviously, you have an issue here of slavery, right? And how will the Christian community respond to slavery in the New Testament context? And Paul is sending this guy back, this slave back. 
And what he asked Philemon to do is to receive him, not as a slave, but as a brother. I, I am confident, I really believe as I read this passage, that he wants Philemon to provide Onesimus the freedom that he deserves. I, I, I think that's what he means when he says, I know that you're going to do even more than what I ask of you. I think it says something to us about the way we, uh, we confront the social issues and problems that are in our lives and in our culture. And to remind us that transform lives, lives that have been touched by the gospel, are those that can make a difference and change the social setting. Certainly Paul could have commanded Philemon, didn't do that. Rather, he based his argument in his relationship to Christ and how Onesimus had come to know him and how the gospel fleshed out in their personal lives. He says, I believe that you can do even more than what I ask. Again, I think to provide the freedom that was necessary. There are some people, there are some people today that think that we can take the structures of this world and somehow we can bring, well, we can bring an answer to every problem that we have. Let me just say to you, I think through the gospel, through Christ Jesus, that through him, we, we find the only answer for what people need today and to be able to confront social issues. Now, I want to say this as well. I've heard people say, we shouldn't be legislating morality. I want you to think about that a moment. And I've heard good Christian people say this. So, so don't get me wrong. I haven't heard temple people say this. So I'm not talking about any one of you. Some of you just, <clears throat> not eating your ice cream tonight. I saw some of you. I, didn't, I haven't heard any of you say that. But I've heard some good Christian people say, we can't legislate morality. Just consider that statement for a moment. And think about our laws. Think about our legislation. Basically, every law we pass reflects somebody's morality. We legislate morality every day. We do. When we pass a bill that says, you cannot kill me, and we define that as murder, that was somebody's morality, right? We, we legislate morality every day. It's whose morality we legislate. I, I was prepared. I was working on it this week, and I was thinking about it again this afternoon, writing a couple things down and saying to myself, well, not all laws. I mean, economic laws and all that, tax laws. Uh, maybe that's not morality. But I don't know. Maybe that's morality as well. At least people's perspective of whether they think we can spend more than we take in or those kinds of... It's, it's all in viewpoints and morality. It's somebody's morality we're legislating every day. I was down in Baton Rouge this week, of course, and I prayed um, for our legislator and legislature uh, because I know that they're facing a lot of issues now. They're in session. Even as we speak, I think tomorrow uh, night, they're supposed to be bringing their regular session to an end, 6 o'clock. A uh, new one will start at 6.30, from my understanding. I prayed. I prayed the same thing that, 
that God intended for the nation of Israel. If you go back in the book of Deuteronomy, basically what Moses said was he hoped that the nation would recognize the statutes and the laws of God in such a way that all of the other nations would look at them and recognize the wisdom that they had, a wisdom that came from above, from God. And I prayed this week that our legislators, that our country, others, that they would make laws that would reflect the wisdom of our God above and that other people would just marvel at the wisdom that came. So I'm all for, listen, I'm all for understanding that we need to pass good legislation and we need to do things because, yes, we do legislate morality. We do. But I do not live under the assumption that we can legislate people's hearts and lives and see them transformed. I, I don't live under that illusion. A law cannot change the hearts of people. Only God can change the hearts of people. And I think that's what we see here. When, when Paul writes, he, he can give a command. He can give a command to say, hey, you need to free this man. But that is not what he does. He actually appeals to him based upon the transformation of Christ that has occurred in all of their lives. Basically, in the life of Onesimus, in the life of Philemon, in Paul's own life, he, he appeals to the transformation of the gospel. If we want to see social ills cured, we need to introduce the gospel. People need to be transformed. The only way that they can knock a drug habit is through the power of Christ. Now, I'm all for strong legislation. Some of you are looking at me. I'm all for those things. But I hope you and I would recognize that only God can change the heart of a drug addict. Only God. Only God can change the heart of an individual that is given to violence. Only God can bring peace to that individual that we talked about this morning. Only God can change the heart of individuals that are given to alcohol abuse or domestic abuse. Or only God can. And that's what we should pray for. And that's what we should recognize. That if we want to see these social issues solved, well, we've got to introduce the gospel more. Transformed lives can confront social ills, and they should. And that's what you see here in this passage. Is that Paul addresses this issue of slavery. He, issue, he addresses this issue that the culture faces through the gospel. I want you to see this as well. Love can overcome the most painful of situations. Love can overcome some of the most painful situations we find ourselves in. What do I mean by this? Well, this is, this is a painful situation Paul is addressing, okay? Onesimus has run away from Philemon. From what I understand this scripture, what I kind of work through, it, it seems like he's taken something as well. He's stolen from Philemon. Because it's kind of the idea that Paul says, hey, whatever he owes you, put it on my account. 
I believe he's stolen from him as well. So now he's coming back. And Paul says, I want you to receive him. How is he going to receive him? He's going to have to receive him in love. Back in verse 9, he says, yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you. Man, that's, that's going to be a painful situation. Here comes this guy that's worked for you, and yet he's stolen from you. And he ran away without saying anything. You didn't know where he was necessarily. And all of a sudden, you've got to take him back. Now, I see, I know so many of you, and you would say, oh, I'd take him back in a heartbeat. You know, i got this compassionate heart. Well, there's some of you like that. And then there are a few of you around here probably have a heart more like me, mine, like, are you kidding me? He's not coming back. No, uh-uh. Not having anything to do with this guy. Paul, I know you're a great guy. I can't even do it for you. No, Paul. But love can cover some very painful moments in our lives. And love can cover up painful wrongs. I think, again, it is rooted in the good news of Christ that we talked about this morning. We were saved through what? Through our faith in Christ, but we were saved by grace. Every one of us. I don't know if you're paying attention this morning, but I mentioned that all of us, before Christ, we were enemies of God. And yet Christ died for us while we were still sinners. He knew we couldn't deliver ourselves, so he died for us while we were still sinners. I, I do love that passage again. I, I tried to make it clear in the, in the 9 o'clock. I think I failed a little bit in 11.15, but that scripture says, but God demonstrates his love. Present tense. In other words, ongoing. He keeps demonstrating it over and over and over and over. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. Past tense, singular event. This one moment in history, that one thing, the cross itself, it continues to demonstrate his love. How powerful is that when you unpack that verse? When we recognize that we have been forgiven of our sins. When we have been reconciled to the Father in such a powerful way, when we recognize that, that should motivate us to forgive others, to demonstrate love to others. You see, I recognize that I'm a recipient of grace, and if I'm a recipient of grace, then may I ever be an individual who distributes grace, distributes grace to other people as well. May I always be. May I always convey grace in my heart and life. And even though it can be very painful, I, I'm not mitigating the pain of this in any way whatsoever. Those of us in this place, we've experienced maybe some painful situations, some painful relationships. And yet... Somehow, we can experience reconciliation. We can experience 
We can experience a relationship because of the love that Christ Jesus gives us. Again, this relationship, (laughs) Paul says, don't take him back as a slave. He's no longer a slave. And I, I really believe Paul's using this kind of interplay here between this idea of slave to sin, like he's no longer a slave to sin itself. But now he's a brother. I mean, how much more should you receive him because he is a brother? He has been transformed by the love of Christ. And you are to receive him in such a way. When Paul uses that language, but if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. When I was younger and I would hear different preachers preach, and if they ever preached from the book of Philemon, they didn't do it very often, but if they ever preached from the book of Philemon, they used that verse. And they took that verse and they used it as an example of Christ and his work in our life. Just as I shared a moment ago, if we had received the grace, so should we distribute the grace? Basically what he says is, as Paul is, Paul is living up to the Christ example. Because what did Christ do? What did he do for us? All of us enslaved to sin. All of us owed a debt that we could not pay. And what did Jesus come and do? He came and he paid the price and he said, basically, if you have any charge against them, you put that on my account. Remember that word, that saying from the cross, it is finished. Remember that? One word in the Greek, tetelestai. What does it mean? Paid in full. When Jesus cried out, it is finished. Yes, he certainly meant that his ministry, his earthly ministry is finished, the sacrifice. But what he was literally saying is, you can stamp this paid in full. Because that's what they would do in the New Testament day. They would, take, they would take the bills, they would look at it, and they would stamp it basically, or they would place upon it this idea, tetelestai, it has been paid. And for you and for me, our debt has been paid. And for Paul, recognizing that his debt had been paid, reminding Philemon that his had been and that If there was any kind of restitution that was still due, he was right there to take care of it because he wanted to see the love of Christ mend these painful wrongs. Well, let me give you this last one. Just a truth that occurred to me. God can redeem any situation and any life. God can redeem it. Redeem it means to buy it back, basically, to uh, give it greater meaning, perhaps, In a few weeks, uh, I'm looking forward to getting to Romans 8 and kind of uh, working through that Romans 8, 28 in particular and how it applies to our lives. What a beautiful passage. What What an impactful passage for us that God can take all things and work them together. Well, look at this situation. Runaway slave in Rome has to come back. God takes this situation and he redeems it. For something good. Well, one, the individual, Onesimus, is saved. Hey, that's pretty good. He's saved. And then he's sent back. And God is going to redeem 
Onesimus' life. He's going to redeem him and redeem his life for the good. Uh, Notice, I said in verse 15, it says, For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever. In other words, hey, maybe God worked all this out anyway. That God had him to come to me and this would work so that you would receive him forever. That now he's part of your life for all of eternity. Don't forget that aspect of salvation. That when we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, you and I, those of us who know, we'll spend eternity together. It's not just here and now, just for a moment. We spend eternity together. And he says, God has redeemed this man. God has made him profitable. Actually, if you look back up in verse 11, describing Onesimus, this is what Paul said. Who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. Again, Paul plays upon the name Onesimus. Some of your study Bibles, you look down, you probably know the name Onesimus means profitable. Profitable. That's what the name means. And now what Paul says as he borrows upon Onesimus' name is basically, hey, you thought he was profitable beforehand. You thought he was making, making your household, making your life so much easier and profitable. He said, you thought that was the case then? No, no, no. Now you will see Onesimus as the profitable individual that he is because he knows the Lord. You see, God redeemed this slave. He saved him, demonstrating his concern and his love for each and every person, no matter what the status of that individual is. And he redeemed him for his work and for his purpose. This little letter, I tell you, this little letter tells us how transformed lives can confront social issues, social ills. This little letter teaches us how love can cover some of the most painful of wrongs. This little letter, well, it teaches us that God can redeem any situation, any life, for his glory and for his honor. I pray that little book, I pray this little letter would be something that would challenge you in the days to come. I'd encourage you to take it again, read it over and over, to hear his message and to allow him to speak to you. Let's pray together tonight. Father, we thank you again. We praise you for the grace that we have received. We thank you that you have taken this letter and that you have reminded us of the impact of transformed lives. Father, that you've reminded us of what love can do and how it can cover such painful wrongs. Lord, we thank you tonight that you can redeem every situation, every person, no matter what their background, where they come from. And God, I pray that you would take these truths now and that you would, Lord, plant them in our hearts. And Lord, that we would live those truths this week in our relationships, whether it be at home and workplace. God, that we would just stand for you. 
and that, Lord, we convey your good news to others. Lord, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand tonight as we have this moment of invitation and reflection?